Tonight we're going to be in Psalm 60. Uh, this psalm uh, is one that's uh, attributed somewhat maybe to uh, 2 Samuel 8 or 2 Samuel 10 uh, or 1 Chronicles 18. And it says this, it's, the title of it is, This psalm is titled to the chief musician set to Lily of the Testimony, a mictum of David, or a golden psalm of David, for teaching. It says, When he fought against Mesopotamia and Syria and Zobah, and Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Um, this time, it, like I said, it, it doesn't specifically mention David lamenting uh, during this time like he does in this psalm. Um, but it kind of uh, it kind of shows you that a lot of the historical records in the Bible, some of them are condensed and some of them aren't. Uh, whether you see success is real, but it may be not always uh, immediate. And but nevertheless, uh, I think this is a time of, of David's early reign. Uh, it it kind of seems like there was a time where David was off fighting and was having victories. And in doing that, if you remember, Israel was attacked and, and was defeated a few times while David was off. So you had an army that came in that decided to kind of come, come in from the back as, as David was out fighting. They kind of snuck in and, and had uh, uh, enjoyed a victory uh, against Israel. So you have David kind of in the middle of this of victory of, of, okay, I was able to do this, but while I was doing this, this happened. And, and you see him struggling with that. You see him struggling with why they were defeated. And one thing that I, I really appreciate about David, he attributes any defeat, anything that uh, uh, is going on as the only reason they were defeated was because they did something that wasn't right and God wasn't with them. And that's really what it boils down to. Uh, what we see over time, especially throughout the, the Old Testament, it, the things that God says, he, he doesn't make suggestions. And it's not like that God wakes up one morning and depending on how he feels or depending on what his mood is, whether he was going to be with Israel or not. It wasn't that he changed his mood from time to time. He gave them specific instructions. This is how you live. This is what you follow. This is how you obey me. And when you don't, there's consequences. So, and here's what David is dealing with. And, and that's what we've got to understand. We don't serve a moody God. We don't serve a, a God that just on a whim changes his mind back and forth depending on how he feels. God has gave us specific instructions to follow. And he says, here's, here's what happens if you do. Here's what happens if you don't. And that's what you see time and time again uh, when it comes to Israel. And especially in David's reign. And David understands the times that things happen to him, he realizes that he needs God, and, and no matter what happens, he needs to make sure he's serving God. And we're going to see this uh, throughout this psalm. Uh, let's start with verses 1 through 3. He said, O God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. O restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal it. Heal its breaches, for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. 
So he starts off here, O God, you have cast us off, you have broken us down. David and the armies of Israel, they, they fought against foreign armies, they experienced some, some measure of defeat, uh, as we can see here. And David knew that when the Lord fought for Israel, that victory was assured. We, we see different times, the defeated Ai, when they decided to take it upon themselves to go without God's approval. And we see what happened when it should have been a battle that they, they easily won. And if you kind of put it in the times of going back and the things that it says that the armies that it's dealing with, if you look what God did for Israel in the land of Canaan, all the armies, all the people that was in Canaan was individuals and armies that could really easily defeat Israel. They were more fortified. They were stronger armies. But because God was on their side, God went before them, driving them out. So David, in, in seeing this time and time again in the battles that he done, David always attributed uh, uh, victories to God, even all the way back to his victory over Goliath and going back to the lion and the bear. David said, that wasn't me, that, that was God that delivered me from that. So David always was sure to put God in the forefront that if, if it's a victory, it's because God gave us the victory. If it's a defeat, it's because we've done something and God is not with us and we're not following Him because He promised us victory if, guess what? If they followed Him. And I think that's what David is, is showing here. Um, and I think here you see kind of... Uh, and when this happens, what do you think is worse to David? The, the defeat... Of, of whoever they're trying to obtain victory over or that separation of God that he feels? What do you think is worse to David? I think the separation of God. I think that's what he... Notice how, how he words this. Oh God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. He didn't say the enemy whooped us. Uh, uh, the enemy, enemy just slaughtered us. We, we were defeated by the enemy. He's saying that, that God is displeased. God has cast them off. God has uh, uh, broken them down, and God is doing it through the enemy. And David recognizes that. Because, think about it, in a, any enemy that we have today, is that our enemy? Or what is our real, what is our real enemy today? Mostly us. Well, mostly us? Yeah, I, I guess in a sense, but that's not what I'm getting at. Who's the ultimate enemy against God? Satan is. So the ultimate enemy against God is Satan, and he, he thinks he has a chance, I guess. But how he knows he can't do nothing to God, so who's he do it to? His children. Okay? So what happens is David is realizing the real enemy is anything against God, and that includes, as Burton says in this case, themselves... Because they said, you're, David said, you're displeased with us. And that's really what it boils down to. Our ultimate enemy is Satan, but he uses us or things against us to go against God. And then there's where the defeat's going to come in. So David is recognizing this. Okay, uh, here's what happened. And, and if this is the, you know, as it, as it describes, while David's off winning these battles, and now Israel, they're coming in against Israel here, children of Israel and being defeated, there's a lot of uh, breakdown in what's taking place of, 
of, of serving God. So as, as we see as David reads this or as he goes through this, now again, remember uh, the title or what's written before the actual first verse of the, uh, of the psalm here, it says this is used for teaching. So you can imagine that this, this uh, psalm, this song being sung, and David said it's, it, it's used as, as, as teaching. I think David is showing here, okay, this happened, this was a defeat because God was displeased. We've done something against God. And then he goes on a, a little farther. So if, if God is the one that's displeased and God is the one who's cast them down, who can restore that? Well, God, right? He says, oh, restore us again. If in some way God has caused the defeat of Israel, uh, it did not discourage David from appealing to God to restore them back. So David is saying, okay, we're, we're separated, you've cast us down, so it's only you that's going to be able to restore us back. It almost gives you a little feeling of Psalms 51. Remember, David said, against you, you only have I sinned. Restore me back, created me a clean heart. So even in that psalm, he realized, okay, God, here's where I'm at, and it's because of disobedience to you that I'm cast down like this. You are the only one that can restore. He's saying the same thing here in Psalm 60. The same thing is, okay, you cast us down, you're displeased with us, so it's you that has to, uh, the restoration has to be with you, uh, not with our enemy that, that defeated us at this time. Notice he says, you have made the earth tremble. David felt as the whole earth shook at the defeat of, uh, of God's people. Now I've read some commentators and some uh, uh, individuals that comment on this said that David's actually talking about a real earthquake here. That earthquakes took place then and he's talking about the earth splitting and, and, and how it trembled. I, I don't believe so. I, I, I don't think it could be. I, I think the same thing, God is the one that can cause that too. But I believe he's talking about uh, how God's people being defeated, how that looks to the world. Because you remember uh, when, uh, when Jonah had, had went to Nineveh, and part of his preaching was about God. You remember what they say? They'd heard about what God had done. So you go to these different places, people knew, okay, Israel was God's people. Here's what God did for them. They, they could have heard what happened in Egypt, all the judgments he brought there as they go in the land of Canaan, as, as God drove out the people before them. So they knew about this. So can you imagine the impact that it has on now God's people have been defeated in a battle. Is that going to shake things up a little bit? Think about today. Think about how that looks today. We're God's children. We're supposed to be following Him. We're the, the, the means in which the message gets out. And the world is watching all of our victories that, that God has overcome things for us. But what about when we are disobedient to Him and something happens because of that disobedience, and now the world sees that. What happens to influence? What happens to uh, uh, that, that message getting out? What happens to what God is trying to do? Well, that's hindered, isn't it? Well, you can imagine what this looks to the world, too. And I think David uses the right language about how, uh, he says, you made the earth tremble, you have broken it. He said, heal it. Uh, and then he goes on and says, that you have shown people hard things, you made us drink the wine of confusion. Israel's defeat here was, um, I think it was hard for them to understand. 
uh, I think it was hard for them to understand why they were defeated in these particular battles and why God allowed that to take place. Uh, and I think as they kind of tried to evaluate the situation, I think it was confusing to them. It, it's almost like we can get to a point of almost like a, a spoiled child being told no for the first time. That confused look like, what? You tell me no? You know, you're going to spank me? I don't get spankings. You know, I'm the chosen one. I don't get, you know. I think sometimes Israel could be like that. They could get to a point, okay, we can do no wrong here. And then when they, we're going to go out just like the defeated Ai. But I'm sure this defeat also, they, they, they get in a situation where they get overconfident and they go against God. Now they're going to get defeated and it confuses them. What, what, what happened here? What, what went wrong? You know, I, I thought I had all this planned out. I thought I was doing this. I thought I knew what was right, and that's the problem. They thought they knew what was right instead of following what God said. As David says here, he says, You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. Well, the Bible tells us God's not the author of confusion. So it's not God that's saying, Okay, I'm going to do these things just to confuse you. It's, it's they're confused because they're not following God, and now they're suffering consequences before it, and they thought they were the golden children, and now they don't know what to do with that. And, and David, I think, is trying to struggle with it, because if it's that time period in which he, he uh, uh, that it says in, in 2 Samuel there 8 and 10, or 1 Chronicles, that tells of these victories that David had, and things that took place, while David's having these victories, and now this is happening to Israel, it's got to be confusing to him. It's got to be, okay, how am I supposed to feel about this when I'm having success here, but this is happening back at home? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like when Moses was up on the mountain, you know, he was having that, that talk with God and everything's fine. Look what they were doing, acting like a bunch of banshees down there creating a golden calf. You know, it, it, it's almost like you've got two different separate things going on at one time and it, uh, it can be pretty disturbing. Um, but we've got to make sure not to fall into that same trap. That same trap of thinking, you know, I, I can do no wrong. And then when something happens, we're very confused at, well, how did this go wrong? You know, I've had moments like that in my life. I thought I had some things figured out. I thought I had the perfect plan. And then when it goes wrong, I stand there with my, you know, jaw hanging down to the ground thinking, how did this go wrong? You know, uh, I can remember an event that happened with Brittany in a wagon, a dog, and a duck, and a pond. And, and a pregnant wife diving over to get Brittany and throw her out of the wagon before she goes in the pond. And I'm just standing there like, how did my plan go wrong here? Um, it does, doesn't it? You know, but, you know, when you're pulling a wagon, and you've got a, a you know, little, little toddler in that wagon, and you're pulling it, and you've got a Siberian Husky beside of you, and you're walking, and I'm thinking, you know, that dog's made for pulling. So I tied her to the wagon, and there she was pulling Brett, and everything going fine until a duck come up out of the pond, and then there went the wagon and Brett, straight for the pond, and my pregnant wife chasing right after her. Maybe that's what's wrong with Hannah, I guess. Uh, the dog wagon, everything right over into the pond, and I'm thinking, something went wrong here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't my best moment. It was up to that point, but... Uh, I don't know which was worse, doing that or freezing, let my wife run and get her. I don't know, I don't know which one was worse. But, you know, we get to where we think, hey, I'm smart. I've got these things figured out. I, I think we can do all of this stuff. And then when it don't, we're, we're just dumbfounded and think, 
Well, that wasn't supposed to happen like that, you know. But, but if we don't follow the right thing, especially when it comes to Christianity and it comes to our, our spiritual life, we've got to make sure that we're following God and don't start trusting in ourselves and then look confused when things go wrong. Because that's what's going to happen. When we start trusting in ourselves, things are going to start going, going awry. And that's what David is here. And that's what I like about David. While he's trying to rationalize this, he's realizing the problem is we quit serving God. And when we do that, God is displeased with us, and this is what's going to happen. At least David is realizing that. I think he's having a hard time putting it, all the pieces together, but he knows that's the bottom line. There may be a lot of things that contributed to a defeat. You know, they may not have their armies right. They may not have been looking for them to come up this way while David was having his victory out there. They probably wasn't expecting it. There's probably a lot of immediate things that happened. But David's realizing in the big picture, it boils down to they wouldn't serve in God. And when you don't serve God, here's what goes wrong. Uh, look at verses 4 and 5. He says, You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displeased, uh, that it may be disp uh, displayed because of the truth, Salah, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand and hear me. Now notice what he says here. You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. And then he puts a pause in here. So to, in essence to say, okay, this is a teaching psalm. This is something you need to stop and think about. God's banner is going to show and his banner is a banner of truth. And that's what the enemy, that's what those who fear him are going to see and it's going to be uh, displayed. Um, David felt that God had cast off and broken Israel. Uh, Spurgeon says this, He gave them an insignia, which would be both a rallying point for their host, a proof that he had sent them to fight, and a guarantee of victory. And, and what's interesting, David is saying that banner is still showing, even though they've got defeat here, even though this happened, that doesn't change the truth of God's banner. That, that doesn't change the, the, the truth of, of, of what's being said. Now here's, here's where the message becomes the most important thing and where we got to be careful. You know, uh, have you ever taught, been studying with someone and, and, and talking with someone uh, about the Bible and, and having a Bible study with them or having a discussion with them and, and, and you're talking to them about a situation and they'll say, well, uh, I know so-and-so, and, and they did this. Or I know so-and-so, and they're doing this. Or, you know, what about... Does that change the, that the message is true and false, depending on whether somebody else is doing it or not? That doesn't change the message. Truth is still true, no matter what, who the messenger is, or what the messenger is doing. You know, now it could hinder it, but it doesn't change it. So David, notice how he says this here. You have given a banner to those uh, who fear you that it may displayed, be displayed because of the truth. That your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and hear me. So David is saying, okay, all this has happened, your banner is still there, and you still have the ability to save by your right hand. David, David knows salvation and victory still only lies with God. 
The truth is still there. That's not going to change. God's banner is still there. I mean, just think about over the centuries, from the very beginning, how the world has tried to stamp out God's Word, try to destroy God's Word, try to destroy His church. It's still here, isn't it? Of everything that happened, it's still here. That banner is still showing. Truth is truth. As, as the Bible said, God's Word will not return to Him void. It's going to accomplish what it's intended to accomplish. And there's nothing that we can do to stop that. Now, we may hinder it at times by our actions, by the things in which we do, but God's message is still going to get out. It may have supposed to come through me, but now it needs to come through somebody else because I'm not enjoying the blessing of it because I'm not living the way that I should. That, that happened to Israel from many times. You know, God is, is, is showing them this land. God is giving them this land. God is giving them this plan. And time and time again, they're failing Him. Then ultimately, that, that covenant is broke. You know, I had someone try to explain that to me one time when they were, uh, uh, we were talking about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And they said, well, you know, marriage is a covenant uh, with God, and you can't break that covenant. I said, well, that's absolutely right. Only God can. They said, no, God won't even break a covenant. Well, ask Israel about that, did he? <laughs> of course he did. Look, look what Israel did. And, and the, the point I was making that, uh, in talking with him, you know, yeah, I can't break that. Man doesn't have the right to separate what God has joined together. Only God can do that. And God gives his stipulations for, if you do this, this is, this is what I'm going to do. This, this, this is how that goes. Well, that, that's the same thing here. God's truth is still going to be there, you know, well, what happens if I don't follow it? Then I don't get to partake in that truth. It's just like walking in the light as he is in the light. Well, that light's still there. That flow of blood is still there. But what if I sin willfully? Remember how Hebrews 10, 26 says, there remains no more sacrifice for me. So what have I done? I chose not to be a partaker of it. That doesn't change that the light's still there. The light's still there. It hadn't changed. I'm just not walking in it anymore. And that's the same thing with this banner. This banner is still there. The truth is still there. I may decide not to follow it. I may decide not to recognize it. Remember the, the brass serpent that got brought into the camp when they were bit by snakes? What did they have to do to that brass serpent? Remember? They had to look upon it. What if they didn't look upon it? Did it help them? Did it benefit them? No. It was right there. It was right there for them to, to be cured but it's still up to them whether they were going to be or not. That didn't change the fact that it, it was the cure. didn't change the fact that it was in the camp. God's Word's the same way. It's still there. It's not going to change. It's profitable for everything that we need. But if we don't partake of it, it doesn't benefit us any. And that, I believe that's what David is showing here. He says, your banner is still there for those who fear you. You know, it, it's still going to be there for them to see, even though we're not living up to it. It's still there, but you can save us with your right hand. And he's pleading with God uh, to hear him in that situation. Any thoughts, comments? Uh, look at verses 6 through 8. It says, God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim uh, also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom I will cast my shoe. 
uh, Philistia, shout in triumph because of me. Now I like here as David is, 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 is showing through God's perspective here, he's saying all of these individuals that you're going up against, all these nations, all these people that you're going up against, they're nothing from me. You know, I'm going to use one of them as a wash pot. I'm going to cast my shoes on the other one. These that you're having struggles with are nothing for me to defeat. He says, I, I, I can use them like my servants. I can use them like a wash basin. I could use them for a place to put my shoes. It's not that I didn't have the ability to stop this from happening. I could. It's your actions. You know, God is saying it, it's nothing for me. It's like David said in another psalm that God just laughs when the nations rise up against him because there's nothing for him to do. There's no way for them to defeat him. And that's what he's saying here, and he's using all these different places to let them know no matter where you go, all of this land here is mine anyway. And you think about what he told them for they went into the land of Canaan, that I'll go before you and drive them out. It was them that didn't do it. It was them that didn't allow it. God said, I'm already going to do it for you. You just go in there and take it, and they still wouldn't do that. Still wouldn't do it. And God is saying, it was, you're struggling with these. You're having trouble with these individuals. They're coming in and defeating you. It's not my fault. You know, it's, uh, I think it's funny. It's kind of like when God told them when they wanted a king, remember? And he said, here's what a king's going to do. He's going to make you servants. He's going to make you do this. It, it's going to be awful for you to have a king. Well, I know God. I want a king anyway. And he said, well, don't come telling me about it when all this happens. Well, this is in essence what he's saying here. These nations that you're struggling with, I've already defeated them. I, I, they're nothing to me. It wasn't anything for me to drive them out. I just sent you in to do it, and you didn't do it, and now this is what happens. Uh, and that's what, I, I guess that could be what's difficult for us today too, is... We get in these situations and we think, well, this is too hard to do. This is, uh, this is too... I mean, I don't know. I've, I've been in business meetings before, uh, uh, men's meetings or elders, deacon, preacher meetings and things and discussing different things go on. And I, I can remember looking back at one place. I went back and got all the, the business meetings of, that went on for years and, and was just kind of going through them of all different things that brought up. And I think these particular books I was looking in, over 90% of the things were brought up were rejected. Over 90% of them. You know, and I, and I wondered about that as I got to reading some of, the, some of the business meetings in that. And it was basically, we don't have the funds, we don't have the ability, we don't have the manpower, or we've never done that before. That was a big one. <laughs> we've never done that before, so that's a good reason not to do it, I guess. And, you know, and, and I got to thinking, you know, what do we think God can do sometimes? Now, not every idea is a great idea, of course, but there are some things that we just got to rely on God to help us. If it's a good thing, it's going to work. If it's what we should be doing, it, it, it's going to work. If it's not, then it will show itself pretty quick and we can move on to something else. But at some point, you got to trust in... Uh, uh, you got to trust in God, that God can overtake. I can remember being in a business meeting one time, they were talking about building, church building, and uh, uh, the ones that were doing it, they were really 
And I understand for various reasons trying to skimp and save and things. They were talking about some water lines, and one of the deacons raised their hand and said, I don't know about you, but I believe my God can afford a bigger water line than that running through the building. I'd like to be able to get some water out of the water fountain in the back of the building. I think my God could afford to run a little bigger line than what we're trying to run here. You know, and I thought about that, you know, it's true, I guess, you know. It's just all in how we look at it. It's all in what we think. If we go into it, I mean, just think about Israel here. If they entered the land of Canaan with the, the thought process that Joshua and Caleb had, in which the ones that got, got to enter in did have a better attitude to begin with. The others, of course, died out in, in the wilderness. But if they kept the attitude of, we can do this, we can accomplish this, because God said we could, God goes before us, nothing can stop us. Can you imagine how it would have been? I mean, can you imagine the, the victory? You, you can imagine what they turned the land that God gave them that flowed with milk and honey, what it would be like. But look at the struggles that they're having. The, the struggles that the, the same struggles they had in, in, in the wilderness. They didn't trust God. They didn't trust what, that, that he'd already won the battle for them. It was already won. It was like him telling Joshua, remember, into your hands I give you this city. Remember him telling them that about Jericho? You know what he was telling Joshua? I've already destroyed the city. I've already knocked the walls down. You just get up and, and do what I tell you to do. It's going to happen. And that's all that he wanted them to do, but they didn't do it. They, they, they relied in themselves. And this, I think, is God kind of showing them, here's what happens when you rely on yourself, because these nations are nothing to me. But look at the struggles uh, that you're having with them. And I think that's, again, the same problems that we, we tend to have today. Look at verses 9 through 12. Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do uh, vanity, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Um, uh, Boyce said this about the strong city. He says, when David speaks of the fortified city, he can only mean uh, Petra, the most inaccessible and apparently in, uh, uh, that had a mountain and a stronghold uh, uh, of Eden. In other words, there was no way to attack this city. Only God could give victory over a fortress like that, and David knew it. He said, that's what he's crying out to here, and it very well may be. And what David is saying is, it, 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 it's you, God. You, you know, we're defeated because of you, and we have victory because of you. But our defeat because of you is because we're not doing what we should. He said, for the help of man is useless. You know, David, as a king, he couldn't call other kings and other nations to come join in with us. We'll go take these cities. He said, that's even useless to do. I, I can't gather other help to do it. It's not going to do any good. Only you can do this for us. Only you can be that, uh, that help. Only you can be that, that victory for us. He says, though God, uh, through God we will do this if it is uh, he who shall tread down our enemies. So David is going back to the very beginning of, of going into the land, basically and saying, if we just did what you said to do, we wouldn't have this problem to begin with. It's you that goes before us. And if you don't go before us, there's really no use us going. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are we able to do? You know, 
And, and I think that's a pretty good, good motive. I mean, think about it as a Christian. If, if we're going this alone, if we just say, well, I can do this Christian walk by myself, what's the point in doing it? What are we going to accomplish? What, where's the end going to be? You know, what do we actually think, think we're going to do? You know, it's like that one comedian said about his, his little five-year-old boy who tried to just run off out, and he said, what's your plan here? Where are you going to go? You don't know anybody but us. So you don't have a plan, there's nowhere for you to go. And I think that's how we are as Christians. You know, we just run out, but we don't know what we're doing. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how we're going to accomplish it. And then fear sets in. You know, uh, the best way to overcome fear of something is what? Be prepared. The more prepared you are, the less fearful you're going to be. And the only way to be prepared is to do what God said to do to start with. You know, when I think back, there's nothing I ever faced that... It was a, I was afraid enough that it stopped me from doing it if I was prepared for it. You know, if you're prepared as you can be, then uh, what's actually going to stop us? And I think that's what David is, is showing here. Um, he said it's vain for man to help. It's useless. Uh, you know, uh, when you think about uh, Saul and all that Saul tried to do against David... It was really useless, wasn't it? I mean, what was he really going to do? Did he really think that he was going to be able to kill David? Samuel had already told him what was going to happen. That's what made him so mad. Did Saul actually think he was going to change that by his own devices, by his help of all the ones that were around him? I mean, think about it. All the resources that Saul had, he couldn't catch David. You know, that, that had to... Uh, you, you talk about a thorn in the flesh of somebody. That had to be with Saul. You know, how that had to look to the people. How that, you know, you look at it from, you know, we always try to look at it from David's point of view of being on the run and all things he went through. But you look for it on, on Saul's point of view. Uh, I mean, that had to be embarrassing. And it was embarrassing. That's what enraged him so much. Uh, but David always thinks, and again, I think it just shows the character of, of David is thinking about God, of realizing, okay, how does this fit in the picture of God? Here I am, where do I fit in in God's plan? Here's God's plan for me of, of what I know already, of what he's revealed to me, so where do I fit in in that plan? And David keeps constantly having to put himself in check, am I still part of the plan like I'm supposed to be? And David realized time and time again when he wasn't, it was because he left it, not God. That it was, it was God that was displeased, that God was the one uh, that wasn't there. David went out just like Israel did. You know, they went out and straight out on their own, and there was consequences to be paid for it. Any, any final thoughts, comments? I think we got about five minutes, so you have to say something. Yeah, and, and to me, that's, that's a hard one. That, that falls in the line of providence to me. That's a hard one to figure out. You know, you, think, you look at the condition of our country, 
one, it's because we got like this. But two, is, is the ones in the leadership position at this time because God, that's who God wants there at the time and that's what we need to chastise us. You know, I, you, know you think, are they there because of our wickedness? Yeah. Are they there because God placed them there because of our wickedness? Yeah, I think it could be both. So, you know, you look at these things and you, you start thinking, and I think uh, Jeff had made some comments about this in previous classes, you look at the history of other nations of, of even superpowers of where they start, where you know you start on uh, because of oppression and, and you fight against that and then you get up to a certain point where it becomes excess. When it gets over excess, then you start declining back down. We stopped by polishing the pulpit and worship with the kids and uh, them there on Sunday night and I listened to John DeBerry and his lesson, and he actually said that in his lesson, if you look back and seen in 63 and took the Bible out and then 10 years later the natural process is what? In 73, abortion. And you start seeing the natural process of, of how things go after that one event, then you start seeing the uh, decline uh, back through that. And, and that kind of stuck with me. I've been thinking about that for the last couple of days, him saying that. And then when he said that, uh, he paraphrased Ananias with Saul because his sermon was on, can you pray through? And he said, Ananias went up and told Paul, get your blind self up, do what God said. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I guess that is what Ananias meant, I guess. Uh, but you start thinking about that. You start seeing how that decline happens. And did I summarize that right or wrong? Wait a minute, say that word again so my wife can hear it. Every time I think, I, I try to think about how hard it is as a Christian, I think about one of Paul's statements when he was making a greeting. He said, to the saints in Caesar's household. Can you imagine being a saint in Caesar's household? That couldn't have been, that couldn't have been easy to be, but if they could be a saint there, surely I can be a saint in Jackson County. You know, you start thinking in terms of that, you start thinking, is things really as bad as I think it is, or has it just been as bad as I've seen it? You know, because we're living in it. Yeah, I mean, you don't know. Every, every generation has their bad times yeah. to them because they're living in that. 
you know, you start thinking about the glory days of how things, you know, I think back, boy, when I was younger, it was better, but I think back as a child, too, there's, there's things that I could tell you that went on, too, then, you know, but now I'm kind of like Israel looking back on Egypt, boy, I sure had it good back then, you know, and I may not have had as good as I, I thought that I did, uh, but, but I think we do need to keep the attitude of David in whatever situation we're in is always keep God at the forefront and ask ourselves first and foremost, have I done this because I've strayed away from what God wanted me to do? And that may be what's, what's taking place.